This show is brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com. You are listening to The Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about the psycho-spiritual and psychosocial aspects of -of end-of-life care. You can find our podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes and any platform you listen to the show from. And now, here are your hosts, Joe and Saul. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. I'm Saul Abama, and Joe is still on vacation, but I have an interesting topic to talk about today, uh, the importance of symbols in end-of-life care. Symbols and rituals. The truth is, our lives are made up of little moments of meaning. Just as an example, every morning when I wake up, I brush my teeth. In most cases, I go to the gym. After that, I shower, eat breakfast, and go to work. From our morning routines to our good luck charms, we wrap ourselves in a world we construct to feel a degree of control. But beyond the basic utility of certain practices, we furnish these things with enjoyable gildings to make them feel personal. The same is true of interpersonal world. We shape and personalize practices to make them feel as if they are ours. From the celebration of birthdays to the spectacle of weddings and to funeral services and rites, We take occasions that bear no practical relevance to our day-to-day lives and show that they mean something. It is out of these shared expressions that culture emerges and from culture, community. In this world that we make, there are three distinctive elements of culture, and these are rituals, symbols, and myths. Each may be related to the other. In fact, it is almost essential for culture to endure that these three exist. So today we are talking about the role of symbols and rituals in end-of-life care. Symbols are objects that take on a deeper meaning for the person grasping them. Every symbol points beyond itself to a reality for which it stands. The difference between signs and symbols then depends on how we see it in relation to us. Uh, For example, look at writing. Writing is made up of signs, lines, and curves. To someone who doesn't know how to read, it may look like scribble marks on a paper or tablet or clay. It is only by deciphering those scribbles that the meaning of the symbol is revealed. Yesterday, I visited a patient at a nursing home, and I found that her room was filled with pictures, pictures about her life, her family, her travels, her work, parties, and events. The entire wall was covered with pictures. To that patient, these pictures were a symbol of love. You see, photographs are powerful visual symbols and are often ways the chaplain can build connection with a patient or family. Many times, photographs of the patient as a stronger, healthier person help a family member to remember the patient before the illness. They help us all to remember how the patient lived, how the patient was before the illness. 
Sometimes families are encouraged to bring such photographs to hospital rooms and hospice beds. The family can also use these photographs at funerals, especially if it is closed casket or cremation, to remind loved ones that this one who is dead was alive and healthy and has lived healthier memories. Photographs of special places and events, vacations, marriages, births, are all very important in the history of the patient and their families. Being able to ask a patient or family member about why this particular picture is important gives the chaplain an opening to a whole new set of stories and memories, and it is a powerful way to connect with the patient or even with the families. The photographs become another way that symbol is incorporated when we minister to the dying. Symbols can be both corporate and private, easily recognized by, by everybody or just uh, recognized by an individual. Some symbols are more widely recognized. A cross one around the neck could signify the bearer of the symbol to be a Christian. Many symbols require explanation, but the mere act of wearing something, a ring, a cross, or other religious symbol elevates that meaning to the discerning observer. In essence, the logical conclusion is this. This is important to me, and thus I keep it close. There are symbols in the world and used throughout history that speak of a deeper sense, an inner meaning that humanity holds in common. These symbols are water, fire, earth, and air. One of the most foundational and fundamental symbols found across tradition is water. From the earliest times, water was an important symbol and for many cultures a spiritual touchstone. Most ancient generations talked about the sacredness of water, perhaps from a purely functional perspective, or perhaps from the deep symbolism that water often inspires. Many traditions embrace the importance of water in the act of bathing as a ritualistic cleansing or in the use of water as a welcoming to community. Almost every faith tradition, Jewish, Christians, and Muslims, all have sacred cleansing rituals that are important to perform. Though most Christians are only baptized once, many use holy water throughout the year to remind them of the promises made by or for them. In considering symbols and related rituals at the deathbed, one could first consider water, for water is a relevant and present symbol that seems to be related to the pure essence of life and existence, both physical and spiritual. Water is there at conception, at birth, and throughout people's lives and many times is involved in a last ritual loved ones will perform on our bodies after death. The second is fire. Fire is a significant symbol for many reasons. Generally considered, it illuminates, it warms, it consumes. Fire brings light to the, to the darkness and warmth to the coldest day. Fire, like water, is used across spiritual traditions. But in terms of symbol and ritual, 
Fire is used in many sacred rites, from lighting a candle at a Christian baptism to the Hindu fun funeral pyre. Spiritual people light candles for prayers in memory and memorial and as symbols of hope and light in terms of crisis and fear. At the deathbed, there are many ways that fire can be incorporated. As in any environment, caution should be exercised, especially if there is oxygen in being used. Lighting a candle or several candles in, memo in, in memory or as a way of focusing prayer, hope, or grief is an effective way to bring a sense of spiritual connection to the person and those gathered. For some, fire might be used to light essence, which allows the person and those gathered to remember that prayers and supplications go upward and into the realm of the spiritual. Even a light left in a darkened room can be a comfort for a patient or a signal of where the button is to get help, which becomes symbolic of fire as an element of both comfort and safety. The third symbol is earth. Whereas water and fire have broad and expansive symbolism across traditions, earth is a bit more obtuse but nonetheless relevant to this conversation for chaplains and hospice caregivers. Earth is the place where things are planted. Earth is the ground and the place of new life. Earth has a sacred symbol across traditions, is the manifestation of meaning-making and relevance, more specifically connected to beginnings of life and the endings found in death. Earth for some is a place where the dead are buried and then remembered or forgotten. Mountains, deserts, and forest cathedrals become places to go for healing, meditation, and deep connection with the spiritual. Whether it was prophets who climbed mountains to hear wisdom, Asian mystics who went to the desert to find the spiritual, or modern hikers who go out on long hikes to find themselves, the earth has always been a place of ritual and symbol. The fourth is air. At the deathbed, air is manifest in oxygen tubes, respirators, and other devices. Without air, life ceases to exist. This is brought into even greater meaning and more foundational significance as chaplains help families and loved ones participate in the patient's last breath. At the deathbed, the seasoned profession is aware of the change in breathing and final expulsion of air. But this reality is transitional in the deathbed continuum. Consider the role that air in from the breathing or breathwork plays prior to that time. Breathing is the best example of symbol and ritual that uses this element. Common to most basic meditations is to sit and focus on the air filling the lungs, then exiting through the nostrils. Whether done in a group or individually, focusing on the movement of the air into and through the body becomes a sacred spiritual act. 
Wind has often been seen and experienced as the movement of the spiritual through the world. Most spiritualities have a belief that it is through the wind moving in the world that the sacred elements also move. The wind is symbol of communion with the spiritual. Air also makes sound possible. The chanting voices, singing choirs, and even ringing gong would be nothing without the element of air to make those rituals strong and true. And with that, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service, providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI Helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at nami.org. This is Sole Berman. You're listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. We continue our conversation on symbols and rituals. We just covered a portion on, on symbols. Now we are going to talk about rituals in end-of-life care. Symbols are often, though not always tangible, representational and passive. Rituals, on the other hand, are active, responsive, and collective. Symbols are often used in rituals. Consider a commonplace, mundane example, the simple action of planting a tree as a routine. Prepare the soil, dig the hole, place the tree, cover with soil, then water it. This may not seem like much of a ritual, but when that planting is done in memory of someone who has died within a community that celebrates the life that has gone before and the individuals participate in the planting, this simple act becomes a ritual, a ritual of remembrance. Rituals are active and may be rooted in tradition or they are active, built on the simple action and then assigned metaphorical significance. The ritual of storytelling. To illustrate this, consider the ritual of storytelling. This ritual is easily identified across cultures and traditions. It is found in both the mundane and the spiritual and is generally regarded as central to preserving memory and emotion. It is the active reciprocal connection between storyteller and participant, informant and questioner. Whether it is in the nighttime story ritual with a young child or the sharing of sacred scripture, Storytelling has an ancient and immutable effect on the human condition. It connects one to the other, the past to the present to the future. Megan McKenna says the act of telling a story is a ritual. It seeks to transmit knowledge and pass on secrets of the heart and soul cherished by a community of people. All sacred scriptures that are shared among people are basically sets of stories that become a means of imparting history, knowledge, and life lessons. The Jewish religion is full of written stories and wisdom from kings, judges, and prophets. Storytelling goes beyond the written texts of great religions. However, it is common at gatherings of families and friends celebrating moments 
momentous life events to tell stories of their loved ones gathered. Consider the significance of storytelling as a deathbed continuum ritual. Before death, family members recount the memories that mark a life. At death, works are specifically designed to allow the mourners to recount their favorite memories of the deceased as a way to celebrate and to remember the life that has passed. At celebrations of births, it is common for parents and grandparents to tell stories from their childhood. And at wedding ceremonies, stories are exchanged about the happy couple along with wishes of well-being for years to come. Storytelling is an ancient method of celebrating in the human history. Cave drawings, masks, tapestries, and rock art all tell the stories of the people who had gone before. It was a way of telling and retelling the story so that it would be remembered and celebrated. The ritual is in the telling of the story. It is through a simple act of telling a story that the community is joined together and life is celebrated. It is more than just a recitation of a history. There is a joining of members of a group as the ritual is reenacted whether it is in a place of worship, gathered at a table or gathered around a campfire or around a meal, chaplains and spiritual caregivers can leverage this ritual to bring comfort and solace in a time of tremendous emotion. The ritual of sharing food. One of the most common and universal rituals is that of sharing food or a meal. Somewhere along the way, many people learn that to sit and eat a meal together makes you a family. Food rituals are often varied by geography. For many growing up in the south of the United States, going to a friend's house often meant you were going to eat there. It just went without question. It was a sign of hospitality and reciprocity. In that vein, the nomads of the Middle East, who would give rise to the Jewish and Muslim religions, knew the importance of hospitality. It was considered more than a breach of etiquette to refuse food, drink, and shelter for a wandering person. It was considered a grievous act, as you might be dooming the person to death in the harsh desert environment. Instead, you are expected to welcome the stranger, give them food and drink, and allow them a place to rest. In short, you made this person temporarily part of your tribe, part of your family. Thus began the belief that to sit with a person at a table made them part of your family. It is not surprising then that the meal became an important ritual within its own right. Many religions incorporate a time of eating together as part of a ritual, if not the whole ritual. Meals became places and times of memorials, of remembering what had been done for the people in the past. During Passover, the Jewish people celebrate God's deliverance of their ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. The meal is a symbolic representation of the story itself. The foods that are eaten all have symbolic meaning. 
and they help to tell the story of deliverance. And yet it is not just a retelling of the story. The meal and its symbolic elements are intended to be a reenactment of the escape. Parents are taught to tell their children, this is what the Lord did for me as I was led out of Egypt. The Lord's Supper, also known as communion in the Christian tradition, is meant as a commemoration of the last time that Jesus ate with his disciples. It is generally believed that Jesus, a Jew by birth and upbringing, was celebrating the Passover meal with them. Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. His actions have been interpreted widely throughout the 2,000 years since his death, but the central message is still that it is a remembrance meal that brings the believing Christian community into relationship with each other. The sharing of a meal or food is often a significant deathbed ritual. From the connecting elements of favorite tests to soothe the palate, from the often blunt and prescriptive dietary restrictions before death, to the giving and receiving of food in post-death experiences as a symbol of collective and communal caretaking. There are times when a family will have a final toast or share a favorite food item right after death as a symbol and ritual of their love as well as their loss. This brings a conclusion to our discussion on symbols and rituals at the end of life. Thank you for listening. was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting Studio in Joliet, Illinois. Audio Hive Podcasting is a studio dedicated to podcast recording, editing, and production. For more information, you can find us at audiohivepodcasting.com.